This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company, and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents, I trust it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's gotta be a better way. There is real estate agents. I trust.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, The Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. I don't even want to talk to you right now. It's so late. I can't believe how late it is. It's it's us. We're on. We're actually recording a show. Whatever. How many many complaints did we have about our... uh, I don't think there's a show. I don't think you... I don't think you posted a show this week. What's... You guys aren't dead, are you? The place... The place didn't block you from doing your podcast, did they? Did my mom call again? <laughs> did my mom? No, that's, yeah, the place. Well, it actually Laura doesn't Hallowell, help Billy. that I announce my departure, and then we don't have an episode the next week. <laughs> this is Laura Hallwell, <laughs> Billy's mother calling. <laughs> oh, this but, is oh, this uh, isn't our last one. We're doing one. What? It's not our last one. Next week's not our. This week, the, the, the no. I mean, friends, I, I mean, our last episode before I leave the blaze. Oh, okay. like not that that matters, right? But, but we're still doing the show. It's still, still, still going. I mean, we're we doing... are still doing the show. We are. But uh, so we got we got several of, you know, dust dust mine ears deceive me. I don't think I hear the church boys this weekend. You and <laughs> Pedro, you entire you. You entitled little Texan, you. Honestly, so. oh, I have a yawn. Hold on. <sighs> it is encouraging that people like us enough, some of them. How are you drinking Diet Coke right now? It's like midnight. It's only nine. Um, but it is encouraging. Oh, it's, I'm sorry. It's 9 p.m. where you are. It's right. midnight in, in torture hell where I am, New York. But, um, you know, it's nice that people like us that much. It is nice. Excuse what me. is torture hell? I just made up a, a place, torture hell. Torture, torture hell is where we go every time Sarah Rivette comes on the show to talk. <laughs> Should we call her? It's, it is only eleven o'clock there. She so, would murder us, oh, and so would her would. newborn yeah. baby. I know Brian wouldn't care. So uh, probably not. So we uh, we do apologize for not having a show last week, and and as I said on Twitter and Facebook and other places, uh, for once we cannot blame Billy for this one. I mean, we could, we could, but it wouldn't be fair. Uh, or Christian, or accurate. Right. Uh, but we can't blame Billy this time. We have to blame my wife. Um, so I, I refuse to take the blame for this one, though I did, <laughs> I did actually forget. <laughs> when, when was it? Was it? When did I forget? Sunday? 
Saturday. So we were supposed to record Friday, right? And we always record, almost always record Friday. We ninety percent of our regular shows we record on Fridays, right? Is that accurate? Wouldn't yeah, you say? I okay. would say. Okay. So what does my wife do? What did, what did my wife do? <laughs> this is why we didn't record Friday. Billy's like, hey, we could record this time. I said, oh, we can't right now. And well, we could no, I can't right now. Here's what my wife, God bless her. Here's what she did. Excuse me. Oh my God. <laughs> so my wife goes. So this is on Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. My wife goes, okay, so uh, on Friday, don't forget, don't forget, as though she's told me, right? <laughs> on Friday, don't, no, honey, don't forget, on Friday, we have the vent cleaners coming. The vent, what the, what are you talking about, the vent cleaners? And what do you mean, like we talked about earlier? When did we ever discuss this? All you do is spend my money without telling me you're doing it. <laughs> this is what you do, right? You schedule things that make my life more difficult. Uh and so I said, what are you talking about? She says, well, the, the vent cleaners are coming. I said, what do you mean, like chimney sweeps? And she said, no, the guys with the big truck, with the big vacuum truck that suck. Oh, I said, you mean the thing that makes the noise that goes like this? <laughs> For hours at a time? That's who's coming on Friday? When Billy and I record the show? Every like she week? She doesn't want it being recorded. She doesn't even listen. She doesn't even know. She won't even hear this. Other than if she can actually overhear me record right now from the other room. <laughs> I said, what do you, do you understand? There's one day of the week that Billy and I always record and we'll do other interviews during the week. Absolutely. But those are whenever we happen to schedule them and usually often the same day or actually Billy will know two weeks ahead of time and then tell me 20 minutes before the interview is supposed to happen. <laughs> by the but way, by we, the have way we have an interview. 15 seconds. <laughs> I said, but we, Billy and I record at close to the same time most Fridays, almost every Friday, and you decided that the best thing to do was to book a, a cleaning thing that happens with two men who come rummaging around the house, banging around in the vents, taking the covers off the vents, using blowers and vacuums, and they hook everything up to a giant semi that's outdoors that How is often a giant do you guys do this? vacuum. What's How that? often does this happen? This is, this, the first this is the first time we've done it in this house. Oh, okay. So it's like every five years or something. I don't know. We did it once. I think we did it once in our house in Virginia. We've done it once in our house here. So, but it's uh, so aggravating. And she's just sure. I'm sure she thought there were bodies in the vents and so that it had to be clean. <laughs> I asked the guys, I said, is it, are the vents that, because I told my wife, I said, listen, I don't think the vents are that dirty. I don't think this, I mean, yeah, there's dust in them, but I don't think like they're clogged with, Wait, with furry so she, dead squirrels. I mean, I don't think that's, I don't think that's an issue. So she booked a non-essential service, oh, just to clarify here. Oh, yes, a non-essential service <laughs> right in the middle of one. You and, the, you and I would be recording, and I'm like, could you have done it at a more inconvenient time? I really do. I, I could not have put her up to something better myself. So It's wonderful. And so I told Billy this, and Billy is was being gracious for once, and... And I said, this is what's going on. We're, can we record tonight? Because once in a while, if something happens, we'll record late on a Friday night. But usually it's Friday midday. And he says, sure. And so what else does my wife do? Now, this is something that had been planned for probably a month ahead of time. But she told me about it just a couple days beforehand. So I knew this was coming, but I thought I could work around it. She decides to leave me with the five-year-old and the two-year-old and take the nine-year-old to another city to go to a Mary Poppins musical that turns out that was starting at 7.30. It takes an hour to get there. 
So which means they need to live at 6.30. Of course, she had shopping to do, which means she left at 3.30, right? <laughs> so I'm stuck with the with with two and three, number two and number three, from 3.30 till bedtime, which is fine. But it wound up getting a little bit later. But she takes, and I, I kind of figure, okay, she's it's it's at 7.30. It'll be an hour musical. They'll be home, you know, 9.30. And, and we re- could record because we'd be done at 8.30. They'd be home by 9.30. Not a problem. We could record even at 9.30 because, you know, Billy's a night owl. And what happens? She texts me from from Mary Poppins. We're going to kind of get in details on when things are going to be done. Oh, yeah, this is a three-hour show. <laughs> three frigging hours. So basically, she's like, I'll see you I'll see you when I see midnight. you. Bye, Felicia. That's what she says. Bye, Felicia. How annoyed, how annoyed were you on a scale from one oh, to ten? Oh, it wasn't bad. You don't really get annoyed, which is actually annoying. <laughs> I mean, it's it worked. Everything works out. You know, it's like Jerry Seinfeld. Everything works out. <laughs> so it, it doesn't always, though. No. <laughs> so so then it was supposed to. So I then I text Billy and said, "Can we just record tomorrow sometime?" Well, then the day gets away from me because I had to. We had a fund. We had two. We had a big community fund. A, a big community event going on, and at this event is a is a time that everybody goes to what we call Spinners Hall, but this big community hall. It sounds like The Village. Do you remember that movie, The Village? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's like going of, off to spin his hull. Kind of, kind of like that. So anyway. Our church youth group sells waffle cones. So they buy big tubs of ice cream and then do homemade waffle cones. And they sell okay, them there. Okay, this, this is sounding good. Okay, and then good. the football team, which I coach, we sell big old brats and hamburgers and you know all the fixings and sides and drinks and stuff. And do that as a fundraiser. And then there are other groups, other other community groups that sell other foods because it's what we call the, t- you're going to laugh at this. because is, is it called the diabetic? No, like- no, this is, so this, this whole weekend, it's the first weekend in June or whatever it is. Yeah. First weekend in, in June, second weekend in June, I guess it's the second weekend of June and we do it every year. We've done it every year since I was a little kid. And it's when the like the each class has the re, the classes have the reunions every five ten years. So the classes come home and do this, and it's it's kind of it works around the class reunions and then other community events. And there's a parade and everything. And it's called. You're gonna laugh. This is so small town. It's called the Tumbleweed Festival. I can't. <laughs> I can't right now. <laughs> so we have the Tumbleweed Festival, and it is the, not there is not enough energy for me to even respond to that. <laughs> so Friday Friday afternoon. They have they have different uh, community events and they have they used to at least have sidewalk sales and things and then there's a thing they call the Weinenstein which is a uh, which is they have live music and they have different kinds of wine and alcohol and they used to have a car show a big car like antique car show out there and they do that from time to time this is like the canal days which is what we have in Spencerport which also sounds very small town <laughs> the canal days the canal. and the, the Erie the Canal. canal. Uh, and it was a, it's a big festival yeah. and party and there's Isn't fireworks it and it's you know yeah it's the same type of thing yeah we don't have fireworks we have gunfire but we don't have fireworks we no. have fire well we don't do them on the fourth we don't so have they gunfire. save them instead of doing them on the fourth they do them on oh, Canal cool. Days which is the same month it's just yeah. later on in the month yeah. um, and I I've always I took my wife once to Canal Days and she was like what in the world is this um, but she but she had a good time um, I grew up in a small smallish town town too so yeah. I re- I can relate to it yeah. I I get it. So we call it, it's called the Tumboid Festival, which is a part of Pioneer Days. So it's okay, called Pioneer now Days. now you've tipped it over the skin. It's called Pioneer Days, and the Tumbleweed Festival is a part of Pioneer Days. And this is all part of the village, too. Right. I'm not sure so, return. So there's a parade that goes through town, 
and you know they'll bring tra- tractors that come through and different you do know, you dress and, in like uh, 19th century garb you know they used to back when i was a kid my dad owned a owned the local um drugstore and uh he he has since retired within the last year has retired and sold the business but they would dress up in night and turn of the century clothes. The women would wear these long dresses and bonnets and the men would totally wear the village. This it was, is the village. it was so cool. It was so they would, the, the men would wear bowler caps and you know, button, you know, uh, button down caps. Wait and, a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want cigar, everybody cigar bands around their arms and legs. And I want stuff. everybody to close <clears throat> their eyes, including you, Chris, everybody okay. close their eyes Got for it. a minute. Yeah, doing it. Mm-hmm. And I want you to picture mm-hmm. Donald, Donald Trump uh-huh. coming out in an 18th century, Outfit with a top hat. I just want you to picture it. This is huge and it's spectacular. <laughs> can you see it? I can see it. I'm just worried about how the top a hat, hat will fit with say, the is hair. It, is it a hat made out of hair? <laughs> no, it's it's an actual hat, and and it's ill fitted probably if you're picturing this properly <laughs> on top of his head. But it's it is a top hat, and, and he's yeah. holding a scepter with a serpent on it. <laughs> that's, that's how your, I see that's it. That's his everyday scepter. But yeah, so, oh, yeah, so with, Pioneer, red, with red eyes. Yeah, Pioneer Days at the Tumbleweed Festival, and it's a it's a ton of fun, and uh, and so we do a fundraiser, and so the football team, and so we you know makes you know quite a bit of money and doing that sort of thing, and then there's stuff. Does that it goes make on America great again? Is that well, it makes legal? it makes America mediocre. Uh, it's but it's worth it. It's fun. People come from you know people who yeah you know, people come from. People who used to live here come back for it. It's fun to see. I was just going to say, a lot of who else in your state is you coming see, to anything rational? You see, your you see, state or Oregon. I, I don't, don't understand know, how don't anything know. like this could happen in either of those states. And they'll do things at the old Sealy. I don't know if they did a live show, but they'll do an old old things at this old place called the, the Sealy Theater, which is an old, an old, 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 probably 150-year-old theater. I'm guessing. I don't know. You have to look it up. It's probably haunted. Old theater. It's got a, it has actually, it's this little theater and it had box seats like Statler and Waldorf sat in on the Muppets, right? And a little orchestra, it has a little orchestra pit and everything. And it's got, they have the original backdrops, you know, those big curtains that go clear up into the ceiling, ceiling and they don't roll. They actually drop down as a big sheet and then go up as a big sheet and just stay one big sheet. They've got a whole bunch of these different backgrounds that are the old painted backdrops from when the theater was actually first built. And these old, this old screen that comes down. Uh, if you if you don't know, back in the day, during when they would have live performances, the screen would be there. You know how you'll go to a theater and there'll be commercials playing before the trailers start. Local, often local commercials. Well, this would be this big screen, and all across this giant screen are these old businesses in different squares, and you 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 paid for a different size square on the screen, and that's the screen that would sit there before the show started. Anyway, so it. that's still there and everything. So it's a really cool thing. But anyway, time got away from me and we had chores to do and different things going on and family stuff. And I just completely spaced it. So it's it's on me, but mostly on my wife. Are it's you guys a, allowed to use electricity in the village? No, no, no. Um, no electricity? And no. are there, so no, we, no you bidets, and I record, You and I record this show by shouting to each other. <laughs> Through a tin can. <laughs> um, can we like please move on into something important here? Not that Harvest Festival isn't isn't important. Pioneer Days, tumbleweed. Whatever. So, whatever. Uh, so over the weekend, there's some infuriating things that happened, but one main one, and that is the shooting that happened in Orlando. Ugh, awful. Where I mean, it's this. I don't want to put this on the level of like where were you when JFK was shot, okay, or whatever. But how did you find out about it? What was your method of finding out about it? And, you know, it was, what was, it was um, a Fox News alert uh, that came through, and and you know, I 
I actually check my phone a lot. And if I wake up, if the kids wake up in the middle of the night or something, I'll look at my phone sometimes just to see if I've missed any news. It's just a habit. Right. And I'm like half asleep. But I noticed it, you know, in the middle of the night when it had happened. Um, and, you know, there wasn't a lot of information yet. It was sort of like the first alerts didn't have all the details. And obviously we didn't know it was, it was 49 people until much later, yeah. until yeah. a few hours later. But that was for me. And I and I went to and I kind of like went back to sleep and thought, gosh, that's that's awful. You know, thinking it was just like a club shooting, right. not to diminish it, but that it was, you know, a minor, minor thing. And then you wake up to see the horrific, devastating impact of what this was. And look, this is building on, you know, from 1999 on from Columbine. Now we have built and built and built. And unfortunately, on these shootings, they get bigger, they get more traumatic, they become more awful. And we've now this has morphed into I think I think the danger here is when we mix all these shootings together into one clump because they're not right. all the same. Right. Um, right. The motivation really matters. Yeah. Yeah. You know, terrorism is not there has to be a political goal. That's my understanding of the term terrorism. There is right. a political goal. Generally, it's not just right. terrorizing people. Right. Well, and, and it's, so in, it's different. Well, I find it interesting. Like, well, you well, are they going to call it terrorism, label it terrorism? And it always depends on right or wrong, whether the guy who did it was Muslim. Doesn't it? I mean, is, well, yeah, do, you ever I mean hear, do you ever hear them call it terrorism? I mean, other than the Oklahoma City bombing. Which they would call, yeah, domestic. They um, call domestic terror event or whatever they called it. But do you ever hear anything else called labeled terrorism? I guess here's the thing. I, I would. Yeah, I think if a Christian bombs an abortion clinic, which happens so infrequently, we don't really have a lot of examples to point to right, right to say right. oh but in those cases they they would if because there's definitely a political aim it's the use of violence or intimidation in pursuit of political aims that's one of the definitions i just pulled up but so so in the case of it would be fair to call an abortion let's say somebody says they're a christian but obviously they're not acting in a christian manner if right. they're bombing an abortion right. clinic and they go and do that well there's a political aim so it would fit under a domestic terrorist terrorist act yeah. definitely uh, same with i guess with oklahoma city bombing and so a lot of these different elements, but yeah, usually in the world we live in today, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. the individuals who are most doing this are radical Muslims. Right. So and, yeah, I mean, that's what usually when we, we're talking about the term, it, that's the context since 9-11 it's been used in. And there's a whole lot of things that infuriate me about about the, the fallout from this. You know, one, you know, the focus ought to be on the victims and how do we fight this? Sure. And, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of times that gets swept aside for political gain and a lot of times we'll call it political gain because we don't agree with the with people's answers on the method on the correct methods to fight it and so sometimes when people are pushing what we would call you know crass political you know uh opportunism it's not i mean it's we consider that because we our our, our ox is the one being gored but the fact is that you got to have the discussions on how do we fight this kind of stuff and uh, just because somebody pushes for gun control on this doesn't mean that they're simply taking it as a crass political opportunism, right? Because, because they're saying yeah. this is the way to fight this. Now I totally disagree with you. You know, I might, you know, you know, if, you know, if, if Sally, Sally McLiberal panties says, you know, we gotta, we gotta have gun control, strict gun control, ban, ban guns, overturn the second amendment. I'll disagree with her, but that doesn't mean necessarily. No, she may have it may be crass political opportunism on her part, but there's also a chance that she's saying no. I think the best way to fight this is with this, and the fact that I simply disagree with her 
adamantly doesn't mean that she's being crass opportunist, right? She may be being a crass opportunist, but simply because I disagree with her doesn't, that's not what makes it crass opportunism, right? I want to say yes, and I want to say this. I think we have forgotten how to mourn, and I think social media has driven this. I actually came to hate social media, and I'm going to use the word hate over the weekend. I I could not look at my personal feed any longer. And I very rarely look at my Twitter feed outside of what people are sending to me um, you know, directly that I'm seeing. I could not take it anymore. Everybody became an expert. Everybody became a policy expert. Everybody yep. felt the need to write 45,000 words about how they felt on every political issue under the sun. Yep. It was the most disgusting form of really mourning that I've ever, that I've ever seen. I, now I'm not saying people shouldn't have the right to do that. I just can't look at it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to have debates about gun control in the wake of this. I don't want to have, I I just can't believe that we're that inept that we cannot properly mourn before we turn something into politics on both sides. Right. And it's, and, and not even, and it's not even the, 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 the fact that we don't mourn, don't know how to mourn that we go straight to the politics instead of mourning. It's that even our mourning, is weird now because yeah. we th- we think that having candlelight vigils in New York for people who were killed in Orlando makes any sort of difference in the world. There's a selfish. I, I don't want to get myself a, in no, trouble. You're right. A it is, it is a selfishness. The people who are marching around holding signs up saying, "We stand with the people in Orlando." It's like, no, you don't. You stand with the people in New York. The people in Thor- who stand with the people in Orlando are actually in Orlando. Right. I'm not saying that it's not okay to have a prayer visual or anything. I, I guess for me, the I think it's the obsession with, especially on social, like that trumpeting you have got to put this opinion out. What the, the trumpeting your sadness? Look how look how serious and genuine I am. No, you're not. You're holding up a sign. It's That's one thing to write a line, then. two lines. I mean, there or put encouraging words out for people. Like we need, you know, prayer. We need. What, That's different than the paragraphs that I was reading that were enraging oh, because they were so political and, and self-absorbed. To, it, I just, it actually made yeah. me want to delete Facebook. Yeah, that was yeah. how I felt in yeah, the middle I'm, of it. I, I thought this is, so I just tuned out. I, I right. was like, I'm not, this is a horrific event. It's the worst shooting in American history. I'm not saying there isn't a point, and I know this enrages a lot of conservatives. I'm not saying there isn't a point to have a discussion about guns and who right. has access to them right. and all that. Right. I just don't think it's right now. I don't well, think you, it's in the wake of this. At least wait for the bodies to assume room temperature. I mean, that wasn't it's, even happening. It's, it's, no, it's, it's insane. And both sides, and both, and yes, both sides, both sides do do it. I think I do happen to think that one side tends to practice it more than the other. But I have a bias, and I will admit to that bias. But the, but the fact is, listen, you have to. These discussions have to happen, and I don't know what the the right time is. I I to have the discussions. I tend not to think that it's within ten minutes of the of the shooting. I agree. And I agree. I, I don't. I also don't think it has to be ten days after the shooting. I I think I I think I I don't know what the right time is to have that. But the the discussion has to be had, and the the discussion whether it has to be had or not is going to be had. And so and what's look, the right time to have it? You know, I, I don't know. For me, I don't care. As far as I'm concerned, personally, as whether or not I'm offended or not, personally, I can have the discussion two minutes after a shooting happens. We can yeah, have the discussion because yeah. I, can, I can rationally, I can separate myself from it emotionally. That's just because that's how I'm wired. But not everybody's that way. Some there are people, there are people who are directly, who lost a family member in Orlando who are like, I'm not going to be able to talk about this for months. 
So why are we not? Here's the thing. When 9-11 happened, social media had not blown up. We didn't have this. There was a connectedness, an interconnectedness with people when 9-11 happened that I don't think I've ever seen in our country before or after that. I agree. And, And I actually worry that we could never have that again because of how callous so many of us are and how we interact on these things. Right. I could be wrong, no, but I, I almost right. feel like social media, there's so many great things about it, and I love social in so many ways, and then there's so many ugly things about it, and I felt there was just a lot I didn't like about what I was seeing, and I feel I felt like this more and more and more, and that we're so immersed in that world that we're detached from what's actually right. happening in the world around us but right social, now. The, social media has completely gotten rid of substance when it comes to things that are substantive. It It is social media, the attitude that is fostered by and within social media is why Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. And probably the president. and And possibly the president. Look, I think, yeah, and I don't even want to go into a gun control debate now. No, but I, I, I think because it's, it's pointless, and I don't, yeah. I don't even think we need to go there. But what I, but I do think that we need to realize, and this is not a, and people will say I'm politicizing. There is something very wrong in the world right now, and it's gotten worse, and we've seen it progressively get worse, both here at home and abroad. I think the entire world is just in a bizarre state that will probably. It feels like it's not headed anywhere better, yeah. you know. So for yeah. me, a lot of it is looking like spiritually. Where is the world right now? Yeah. How did we get here? Right. Why are we here? And what's coming next? Doesn't and I make, think that's important to look at. And doesn't make you go, you know what? I just want to do something that matters. Yeah, and I, it does. and I like to think that this podcast is something that matters because our, the point of this show is, well, one, it's a vanity thing for you and me. Period. I mean, to be totally frank, I mean there is a vanity aspect to it. Oh, yeah, because we want to, We like to hear ourselves talk. And we have fun, but we both like talk radio. But we also, like, we believe that this show, the reason that we created this show in the way that we've created it, and we continue to try to finesse it and make it slightly more professional, is that we think that Christians and people of faith and people of, you know, at least of of moral, with moral values can, you know, I need to have someplace where I can at least have a good time. And we can talk about the issues and not scream and yell and, and have fun. I mean... This is the part of social media that I like. This is the fun stuff where you can have a fun conversation with somebody and a substantive conversation with somebody and we can leave friends. Like you and I are our friends and we don't yeah. agree we don't agree on everything. We agree on a lot of things. We agree I think we agree on the essentials, but we, there are other things that we that we disagree on, but you and I can have a a, a knockdown yeah. drag out debate, even fight over something and and not lose sleep over it. And that's the good part of social media. I mean, that's what this kind of show is about, but that doesn't exist for most of social media anymore. And it's it's distressing. I mean, I just had people sending me things. Cl- and then in calling for people not to politicize the tragedy, which I did post a couple things on Twitter about, people were accusing me of politicizing the, tra- the tragedy by doing that. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm saying that you just, you <laughs> cannot <laughs> win. And I just had to tune no, out. I had to tune out of it's, all of it. Yeah. And and just read stories and not engage on it because it is it's a horrific thing that happened and right. I think right. yeah and one of the things that surprised me this this morning um, listening to the radio and the the reaction to Chick Fil A and I posted something about this on Facebook after but you know it's shocking that Chick Fil A opened their doors to no, people. It's not. 
It, this is a secular radio station. It's shocking. No, it's they've been yeah. doing this for years. Right. This is what, this they, is what do. they do. This is right. their Christian witness. You just painted a narrative in media about how yeah. awful they were because of a comment that Dan Cathy made that you decided <laughs> something about them that wasn't accurate and true, and and now you're yep. shocked right. that they're feeding people when right. that's all they've ever done is right. do good for the communities they're and, in. So and that's and that's the thing about the, the the social media, Facebook, including the hashtag stuff nonsense that goes on. We got to push this hashtag to really raise awareness. You know, like the Save Our Girls thing, whatever the book or stuff that came out it was a year or two ago you oh know, yeah all that just pablum posing as thought the, can i what, can what I people transition? on facebook yeah, in just a second well you aren't you in the middle of transitioning now at three-fourths of the way through isn't that doesn't that explain the c cup oh man <laughs> oh that was a low blow so, hey i'm i'm for on your princess uh, portions diet plan, oh, which we're nice. going to advertise in the show very soon that you created, that's right. I'm like 14 pounds down here. Nice. This is good. Nice. Although well, I ate I ate banana chips and peanut butter tonight, so I'm oh, not no. sure how that's going <laughs> to shake splurging. out. You can throw that up later. It'll be fine. But one last <laughs> thought, though, on the Facebook thing, right, on the social media stuff. Here's the fact. Your opinion, Billy, and my opinion, and the, pe- the opinion of the people on Facebook doesn't matter. Yep. You know what matters? Your vote matters. Your prayers matter. Prayers of people who have a relationship with God, not just some rando, right? I'm talking about God. God has no obligation to answer the prayers of people who have chosen not to have a relationship with him, okay? Your prayers matter. Your vote matters. Your opinion doesn't matter. And your actions matter. So what what, what, what uh, Chick-fil-A did to help in the, in the wake of this shooting and as they have done with other tragedies and other things that have gone on, that's what matters, the things that you do in reaction yep. that, that that show the things that you believe. That's what matters. I agree. Your opinion matters not one whit. It doesn't matter. And that's going to hurt a lot of people and offend a lot of people. Well, you know what? Go ahead and be offended because nothing happens when you're offended. <laughs> well, you know, All right. I think you want, you've said it. Did, yeah, let's transition into a related. I, I think yes. the Obama-Trump stuff. Let me, let's uh, go there. Give me the, give me the music. You ready? I'm ready. Oh, that was a bad one. That was a bad one. Oh, that was not good either. One, oh, that one's one like more. nails on the chalkboard. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a salad fingers thing. Okay. Did you say salad? Salad. I'm sorry, salad I'm only fingers. hearing healthy things. Salad fingers. You just heard salad fingers. Rusty spoons. Anyways, They're so awkward. Uh, here we go. How about this? You are now Okay, f- I like that. That's peppy. You are now fully transitioned. So, Obama versus Trump, which I'm finding very entertaining. Um, <laughs> I love this. I love it all. But I have to say, this whole thing with Obama, I love that Hillary has suddenly decided that using the term radical Islam is fine. She's happy to use it. It's fine now. After she spent a debate talking about why she would not use the term. Um, But fine. Hillary is on board with using the term radical Islam. Uh, But Obama explaining why he's not going to use the term was one of the most insane things I've heard. And and this is not me politicizing anything. It was it is an exercise in me trying to understand when you talk about speech. Do you have it in front of you? I think so. See, play it if you have it. Play it because I don't. President Obama slams Donald Trump's proposed Muslim ban. Uh. Uh, and also, Obama explains why he doesn't use radical is- term at radical Islam. Yes, is that the one That's, you want? Yeah, I'm looking at that one right now. Yeah, do you have that? Yeah, I have that. You want me to play that? Just play it, please. Okay. Maybe. Your computer hates you. There you go. And let me make <laughs> a final point. For a while now, 
The main contribution of some of my friends on the other side of the aisle have made in the fight against ISIL is to criticize this administration and me for not using the phrase radical Islam. That's the key, they tell us. We can't beat ISIL unless we call them radical Islamists. What exactly would using this label accomplish? What exactly would it change? Would it make ISIL less committed to trying to kill Americans? Would it bring in more allies? Is there a military strategy that is served by this? Yes. <laughs> Just, what? what is, is happening? The above. Calling a threat by its name. By a different name. No, by its name. Does not make it go Dope. away. Sorry, that wasn't nice. <laughs> this is a political distraction. It's not. Did you have more of this nonsense you wanted to hear? Just stop it. Just stop it because I can't take it okay, anymore. But he also goes that after Donald Trump later, too. You want that? Yeah, of course. I, I'm more interested in what Trump said about him because who cares about what Obama says about Trump? It's more entertaining listening have, to Trump. I have, I have the Trump thing, too, but it, this the Trump thing is set up by the Obama thing. All right, but before we play the rest of Obama, yeah, yeah. and then we have to throw an interview out there, uh, the, uh, the, the thing that is uh, insane to me about this, I would assume there's a military strategy. Is What is the rest of the Middle East engaging in right now? What, what are other countries engaging in? What is Russia engaging in in its involvement in Syria? Why, why, why do the Marines exist? Look, th this I mean, is... Come on insanity to me because absolutely what would be accomplished is understanding that who the you, enemy is right and what are they're motivated by because right. you can't understand the enemy unless you know what they're motivated by look i'm not a military guy i mean i can barely tie my shoes <laughs> but the point the point is and in fact i don't tie them they're already pre-tied and i just put my feet in them you've usually, got those but. you've got velcro orthopedic <laughs> shoes of course you're not a military guy <laughs> <laughs> but the point is i mean th this to me I understand not wanting to offend people, but at yeah. some point you have to deal with the reality. And the reality is that when these attacks happen, they are by people who claim to be Muslims. They are radical. They are extreme. And they are taking an extremist ideology and hurting people and harming them because they're motivated by that ideology. This is not rocket science. And it changes everything when you don't acknowledge it. <laughs> That's just my view on it. But well, what do I, I, know? I, I don't disagree. I, think I don't even know what I just said. I, I rambled. I think for once you're right. So I don't know what, you know. My it friends does, on the other side of the aisle. What difference is it going to make? Okay, Hillary. What difference does it make? It matters that you identify the enemy. If you oh, don't identify the enemy, hours. who the heck are you supposed to kill? I right? watched 13 Hours Saturday. Don't even get me oh, going on that no, one. I don't. Um, I can't. I, that was a rough movie to watch. I don't know that I can watch it. I haven't I watched, finally it. watched I it. I support it. I don't know that I can watch it. It was It'll just make me mad. I was so mad when I watched Black Hawk Down. Furious. I'm sure this would make me even more furious. Wow. You know, there's a Clinton connection there, too. Huh. <laughs> I'll be darned. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> moving. Let's just, yeah, play the, I guess, play okay. the Donald Trump part. Okay, so here's, 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 it's only about a minute, minute 10 of Obama, and I, he slams Donald Trump. Let's see here if I can make this. Can I turn that up? That's as high as it goes. All right, here we go. We now have proposals from the presumptive Republican nominee for president of the United States to bar all Muslims from emigrating to America. 
we hear language that singles out immigrants and suggests entire religious communities are complicit in violence. Not what he said, but... Where does this stop? The Orlando killer, one of the San Bernardino killers, the Fort Hood killer, they were all U.S. citizens. Was that the workplace violence incident? Yes. Are we going to start treating all Muslim Americans differently? Are we going to start subjecting them to special surveillance? Are we going to start discriminating against them because of their faith? Your FBI already infiltrates We've heard mosques. these suggestions during the course of this campaign. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Okay. All right. Okay, so I'm done with you. Uh, not you, Billy, him. Our, our FBI, the FBI that serves underneath this president who just gave that rambling, borderline incoherent speech. I understood what his point was, but he had no solutions. Infiltrates mosques, and it does so for a reason. Because that's where they're finding radical terrorists. Period. Do they, they also infiltrate other radical organizations, white supremacist groups, and that, but not to the extent that they infiltrate the mosques, and they do it on purpose. Anybody with any clue knows that. Ask the FBI what they're doing. Ask the CIA what they're doing in the Middle East. They're not simply toppling governments. They're going around and infiltrating these organizations. It's, that's the point, and it has been the point since Jefferson understood it when he created the Marines. Can we-, we are at war with a radical ideology that wants infidels wiped off the map. And the old school religion believes it. It's what it preaches. As Glenn has said, and even Rudy Jasser has admitted to, radical Islam is actually the Rudy Jassers of the world who are going out and trying to change the old school ways of thinking within Islam. So... Let let me just <coughs> go back to the Donald Trump Muslim ban, which we've talked about before. Oh, the Muslim ban is insane in that yes. it, it can't be enforced. It makes no sense. It's 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 nuts. Now, what, it, what, but what does make sense is he's talked about cutting down on immigration from areas yes, that sponsor yes. terror. That is different. That, that makes is sense. Different. Doesn't what, it? what does not make sense is a religious litmus test because it cannot be proven. It cannot right. be tested in DNA. Right. There's no blood test. There's no whatever. And the, and the reason yes. and the reason and just as you said, the reason that you oppose it isn't because it would be a bad thing. It's because it's not possible to do. It's nonsensical, right? It's not. It's not possible right. to enforce. Or people can lie about their religion. They can right. say what they're anything. Right. Um, talking about restricting from various areas, is that not something we already do? Yes. Uh, we, right. we only allow so, a certain number of visas from us, from each from specific countries. We right. already do now, that. So, but in Obama's defense, it is true that Trump's original proposal was insanity. Now, but but the more specific ones are are maybe are they may have merit in some people's minds and can be discussed. But but my i just think that the the problem here is that we are not differentiating what this threat is it is important to differentiate threats and i feel like and let me just point this out and uh, you know, when we're talking about attacks waged against a specific group obama has no problem talking about right. 
those specific groups. And that's I fine. Know, I have I no know. problem with that either. But what I'm saying is you have no problem when it comes to any other group, but you have a problem when it comes to this group. Why? <laughs> that's just so strange to me. And it's because you don't want – am I making sense? I mean it's, when oh, I yeah, look yeah, at it, it's yeah, like, yeah. it's like okay, well – you you are talking about a hate crime here, this there, and I, again, I have no yeah. problem. I'm not attacking that. What I'm, I, it's the it's the inconsistency mm-hmm. that is strange when somebody calls nine one one and allegedly says I'm, you know, I pledge allegiance to the Islamic State and then commits a crime that you would have problem identifying that as what it is. Right, and it's like, it's like you go along and say this guy was obviously crazy and he was killing all these people and oh he didn't mean that part, right? <laughs> like he he meant he it was when just he confused the... sexually, right? That's all. <laughs> And, I can't. And and this, and, and I don't mean to take this in a, this discussion in a direction that we weren't heading, but I do. I am annoyed that it, that this is that the attack has become a gay advocacy and LGBT yes. movement yeah. because that's not what it is. They didn't. They didn't attack gays in Canada. They didn't attack gays in the UK or in France or <laughs> Germany. They attacked gays. In America, because they're Americans. And look, and, and there, there, there may was be the gay an angle. Was there was the, was the gay element? Was there a gay element to it or a gay angle to it? I'm sure that there may have been. I'm sure that there was some intolerance taught, you know, and bigotry and even hatred taught about gays. But it was also taught about Americans. Right. Well, and it may be, a, you know, in their minds, and this is horrific, but a two for one, you know, two different. Yeah. Like, look, they went after Jews in France. They went, they've they gone went after, after Christians consistently they went in the after Middle Pamela East. Pamela Geller. Right. right. They went and after what, Pamela and Geller. What did, and what did the left say to Pamela Geller? Well, maybe you shouldn't just be so outspoken about those kinds of things. Right. No. Yeah. But you didn't. But you didn't turn around and say, well, maybe you just shouldn't be so gay and the, and the Muslims wouldn't attack you. They didn't, nobody said that. Everybody Look, said to Pam, the the critics of Pamela Geller said to Pamela Geller, maybe you shouldn't be so outspoken, right? And what? It's, yeah. But and if you, if you said to the gay community, well, maybe you just shouldn't be so gay, you'd be crucified. Now, what and your critics would and, say to that, and though, rightfully, is that, you know, but you rightfully can't so. But you should be cruci- You should be criti- criticized for saying something that's stupid. It's like, don't. Whatever. Well, what your critics would say, you know, she can control what she's saying. That gay the gay people can't. And, you know, that and, would be the argument. And gay people can. <laughs> Stop yourself, Chris. <laughs> so let's go ahead and let's go. Uh, Trump had a response for the president. You want to hear that? It's like forty seconds. Did it come from his hair piece or him? <laughs> he he and his hair both were speaking simultaneously. Oh wow! So here's his response to chorus, what Obama what Obama said. Here here's here's Trumpster, Trump Trumpy Trumperinia. Again, we've seen that political correctness is deadly. They don't want to talk about the problem. And I watched President Obama today, and he was more angry at me than he was at the shooter. And many people said that. Okay, I, we'll go back to the... Have you watched this video? <laughs> Parts have, of it. But look I just, at his what hair. I love Trump is everybody says I'm nice. Everybody loves me. A lot of people told me my hair looks beautiful today. Like, it's always like a lot of but people. But you see his hair? Like, it's from a, kind of from a distance. You can't... But it is a mess. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a hot mess. All right. I'm, I told you I've seen it before in person. It's <laughs> glorious. <laughs> All right. Let me rewind it a few seconds here. Angry at me than he was at the shooter. And many people said that. Many. 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 Like this. Get it like this. Many. One of the folks on television said, boy, has Trump gotten under his skin. 
but he was more angry. And a lot of people have said this. The level of anger, that's the kind of anger he should have for the shooter and these killers that shouldn't be here. Can I point something out? He's extremely right-handed. Have you noticed that? He always he gestures with the with the fingers like this, like making the number one or the oh, letter. Yeah. The letter what, is it, the, what is it? The letter D in sign language? Like this and... And now, this and can I just make a point real quick? Yes, sorry. None of, but none of Trump's proposals, <laughs> and we had, we do the look. Conservatives do this when it comes to gun control. I, I agree. And yet, none of Trump's proposals would actually have stopped either the San Bernardino shooting. Well, at least the husband, right. and or this shooting because right, they were American citizens, citizens, people who were born in the U.S. Which was, which was Obama's point. Right. So, in fairness. In fairness, that now the argument, well, if you enacted it a long time ago, it, his parents were born in Afghanistan, whatever. But still, it would not have it would not help the problem. So now, look, that doesn't mean there isn't merit to looking at some of those issues, right. um, not the sweeping, yeah. ridiculous Muslim ban, but the other <laughs> elements of it. Um, but, yeah, I think we have to point that out. I in agree. Fairness. I agree. All right. Let's yeah. let's. Let's roll an interview. Okay, please. let's awkwardly transition to your interview. You introduce it. We'll play it. We'll we'll take a break. We'll come back and do whatever other silly shenanigans that we have here. Just a minute. Okay. You are now transitioned. <clears throat> so there's this movie out, Me Before You, which is a morbidly oh. depressing drama about a man who is paralyzed, and I don't even I haven't seen it. My wife read the book and was very upset about the ending. Isn't it? Um, and isn't now it the a euthanasia out. book? What? Isn't the euthanasia book? Yes. Yeah, you um, know when I was a kid, when I was like late grade school, junior high, when I heard the word euthanasia, I thought it was three words: youth in Asia, and I never understood what the topic was. And you're just like, why are we talking about children in Asia? That's um, what I thought. <laughs> now, th this interview is with Johnny Erickson Tada, who, um, I mean, she's done everything. She's yep. been an artist, a singer. Yep. She's yep. just yep. like now that she's speaker. a paraplegic. Yeah. And and actually, she has shown that you can be you. She's more talented than than fifteen of me's and fifteen yeah. of Chris's together. Oh yeah. Um. And and she has just been in like an amazing advocate for people with disabilities. And we interviewed her. We talked about this film. She's speaking out pretty strongly about me before you. Good. It's Good. based on a book, obviously. Like I said, I'm speaking out about the storyline, saying it glamorizes it. And I won't spoil too much of it for you. But there's so much in the interview about where we are as a culture and where millennials are. It's, it's amazing. And so uh, we're just going to roll that. Roll it. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys. And I'm really excited to have Johnny Erickson Tata on the line. She's an author, radio host, founder of Johnny and Friends. I mean, you've done so many amazing things and continue to. Welcome to the show today. How are you? Good to be with you. And uh, nice to talk with your listeners as well. So... We have, there's so much to ask you about, but the big thing right now, you live in California, and we have the new law that just took effect in California that legalizes doctor-assisted suicide. I guess, let's just start with that law. How do you feel about that law? What are your um, points of contention with it? Well, basically, I don't, I don't believe it's the role of society to assist people in killing themselves. That's not an appropriate role for society. If people did not have the psychological wherewithal to, to uh, kill themselves, or if they do not have the physical wherewithal to kill themselves, I don't believe it's a good role of societies to aid them, to help them in killing of themselves. 
um, I forget who it was who said that the the health of a civilization um, can best be measured on how it treats its unborn, its newborns, um, the medically fragile, and the elderly. And uh, people who are <coughs> weak and infirmed have never fared well in societies that have lost their moral center, their, their moral foundation. And um, this, this, this whole push to, uh, to legalize assisted suicide um, across the United States is actually a push to radicalize individual rights. And when we take the moral component out of rights, rights then become nothing more than people's willful determinations all dressed up in politically correct language in order to give them a, a, a showy kind of dignity. But, but that's not rights, um, because then all we become uh, is uh, a, a group of haranguing people arguing about who's more victimized than who. And, and, and that's, that's where we are here in the United States. And I'm, I'm sorry to say that assisted suicide is legal in five states, California, Oregon, Washington, Vermont, Montana, and bills are being submitted in 18 states and the District of Columbia, even as we speak. So it's a big push on the um, social progressive agenda. And I, for one, as a person with a disability, representing people who are elderly and medically fragile, newborns with uh, disabilities, this is bad news. This is not good news. Well, you know, you, you have to look, and my thing is, whenever you're enacting a law, you have to look at other places where laws have been enacted to sort of see what's happening. And what we are seeing in other places is that mental illness starts to become, um, you know, a reason for ending one's life, right? You start moving into that direction, which has happened, I believe, in Belgium, where you've had people who have said, oh, well, I'm mentally ill and I don't want to live this way anymore. And that starts to qualify. So you start moving from terminally ill cancer patients all the way through. Um, and I just have to say, you, you, you're a quadriplegic. I mean, you have... And what you have done is more than anybody else I know. You, you're the most talented. It's a, you sing. You've done every. You've had this amazing career, and you've shown that a disability doesn't have to hold somebody down. Um, it's just amazing what you do, and I and I want you to know that. I know I've said that to you in the past, but I, I just I find it incredibly amazing. So when we talk about this issue, I think one of the big things is emotion. When Brittany Maynard had her brain tumor and the big campaign that she launched. Um, surrounding the effort to try to get this passed in different states, um, it was the it was the emotion of saying, you know, I don't want my husband to have to watch me suffer um, with this brain tumor. I don't want to get to a place where I'm not moving and I'm just laying there and I and I'm and I, it's needless. I could just end this. How do you respond to that? Because that's the emotional factor that seems to be, um, you know, grabbing some people and bringing them on to support this. <laughs> Well, you're right. The emotional factor is an unfortunate reality when it comes to uh, social policy. But I contend that people's fundamental fears of aging or people's fundamental fears of a significant disability should not be the basis for rational social policy. Uh, that, that, that's just bizarre. But it, but it shows where our culture is. Um, culture and that includes art, movies, films, book, books. Um, they all are extremely influential components of what makes up culture. They, they have the capacity for powerful emotional appeal. And uh, unfortunately, when 
um, when a, a nation's emotions reach a critical mass, then uh, legislators hop on board, and although they should be uh, determining um, law rationally, uh, they get pulled up in the emotional fervor of, of the public. And, uh, and, and because we live in such an entitlement society, we already see no virtue in suffering. Um, we already believe that we're entitled to healthy lives of ease and comfort and nothing less. And, and already we believe that affliction should be avoided at all costs. And so what happens is courage gets redefined. Courage is no longer facing challenging circumstances in a life um, and, and reaching out to your community for support. No, courage means going to Switzerland and checking into a suicide hotel and having someone assist you in debt. People call that a courageous decision. No way is that courageous. And uh, again, it all goes back to this moral component that we have um, surgically exorcised out of the uh, discussion of rights. And that, that, that to me, is, is unfortunate. As a Christian, right, when you start to look at all of this, and you can go through the Gallup list of social issues that they put out every year and they ask people where they stand, we appear to be becoming more accepting, becoming more accepting of almost everything when you go down that list, um, even if it's just a little bit. And this is an issue where the public has become more and more sympathetic to, oh, you know, somebody shouldn't have to suffer and somebody shouldn't have to go through that. Um why do you think it's moved so rapidly? It feels like the last couple of years we've just been moving so rapidly into a relativistic sort of bubble that and it just seems to keep coming and keep coming. Why do you think that is, particularly on this issue? Well, I, I think part of it is um, we are a society who, who uh, believes that um, your subjective emotions uh, make the basis for or what is reality, um, but, but that's, that's so far from the truth. Uh, politics always flows downstream from culture, and, and so when you, have, uh, when you have movies and books and films and educational institutions, college campuses, when you have them all um, uh, expressing you know, emotions as the basis for, for right and wrong, and subjective criteria uh, that's based on, let's say, cost or cost of fitness or convenience or comfort, uh, then then we totally abort absolute truths, and 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 it shows up in politics. So uh, I I am I am praying that um, that people will come back to the moral foundations on which this country was was uh, built, and of course that is the foundations of the Judeo-Christian ethic. The foundations we find uh, in the Bible, um, and I am praying that people will see that uh, to 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 interpret reality through an emotional lens is always going to result in selfishness and the radicalization of individual rights. Um, case in point, this this movie uh, that's out right now called Me Before You. I mean, this is the third movie that Hollywood has made about despairing quadriplegics. Uh, choosing to end their lives by assisted suicide. In the early 80s, it was the movie uh, Whose Life Is It Anyway with Richard Dreyfuss, and then then it was Billion Dollar Baby produced by Clint Eastwood, and now, um, this week, it's Me Before You. And then the message is clear. 
um, people get caught up in the emotions. They see a person who's severely disabled, living a very hard life, and they think to themselves, I wouldn't want to live that way. Um, I think he'd be better off dead than disabled, and that's what I would choose. So again, we're allowing emotions and subjective criteria to dictate the day. But um, the, the, the fact is, real courage, as I shared earlier, is facing your hard circumstances and just moving forward into life and, and saying yes to the difficult things and finding virtue in suffering and realizing that life is not a bed of roses, that it's not always easy and comfortable. And that's, that's not bad. That is a good thing. For me, uh, as a quadriplegic, um, I wake up in the morning and it's hard. It is so hard having somebody else come into your bedroom and give you a bed bath and exercise your legs and get you dressed and put you in a wheelchair and brush your teeth and brush your hair. It's overwhelming at times. But during those times, I say, Lord God, I cannot do this, but I can do all things through you as you strengthen me. And so I reach out to the God of the Bible. I reach out to, to um, a source higher than myself. I don't let my emotions win the day. I, I certainly don't let the subjective criteria of my, of, of my disability um, win the day. No, I'm, go I'm going to choose life, and I'm going to choose courage, and I'm, I'm going to choose finding virtue and suffering. But I can't do it by myself. I need the help of family, friends, and I need the help of my God. Well, you know, what is so <coughs> ironic to me is your life is the perfect... I mean, has anybody ever approached you to do a movie <laughs> about your life? Because it's an amazing story. Your story is absolutely amazing. Have you ever had talks to do anything like that? Well, actually, uh, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association did a movie on my life called Johnny. And in, interestingly enough, I played my own part. That was back <laughs> in 19... Oh, my goodness. It was produced in 1979, and it came out in limited church release and in theaters around the country in 1980, I think it was. That was a long, long time ago. But, um, you know, that's the kind of movie that would, that would influence culture in a better direction. You know, oh, we, yeah. we, were, we, were talking, we were talking about culture earlier and how, how um, film and movies and books are so influential. And the, the, the thing is that through books or film or movies, um, sometimes it lacks realism. It glamorizes the hard facts. And yet, you know, movies and books and film have such emotional appeal, and that has power to sway even the strongest of convictions. So I'm glad I did that movie, and I, and I hope it convinced some people, at least back then, that life really is worth living. Well, maybe we need another movie. Maybe maybe there needs to be a reboot of that. You know, where <laughs> I, I think your I just think your story is incredible, and you continuously inspire me. Um, the things you've accomplished, the things you've done. And like I said earlier, showing that just because somebody has a disability does not mean they're going to be held down by that and unable to be. I mean, when you talk about the movie, when you talk about Me Before You, that storyline versus the reality of what you have lived, I think it's just your story is amazing and people need to hear that and know that. And so many have, but I think even more people need to. And let me ask you this because you brought up something really important just now, I think, about entertainment. Um, I've spent a lot of time thinking about 
where entertainment and where media are right now, among other avenues. But you know, we have a generation of people, millennials, and I'm on the upper end of the millennial scale. Though I'm 32, so the way upper end of it. But you know, you look at where we are as a generation, and you look at Hollywood and media, and and the messages that have come out of that. Are you of the mind that the that those I guess areas Hollywood and and media have really shaped some of these ideas for people on different issues like this? Oh, absolutely. There there is no doubt about it. In fact, that's what makes <coughs> this most recent film Me Before You so dangerous, because in in the United States, assisted suicide is legal in five states, including California, and that makes it possible for people who are terminally ill to have access to doctor-assisted death. People who are terminally ill, people only have a short time to live. But in this movie, maybe for you, the lead character, the quadriplegic, is not terminally ill. He just He's just despairing of his disability. And that is what is so especially dangerous about this film. Um, young people are going to go into that movie theater, and they're going to be impressionable. They're going to, they're the kind of people who find suffering hard to bear anyway, and they're going to walk out of that movie and think, well, why should assisted suicide only be given to people with terminal illness? Why shouldn't a despairing quadriplegic have access to, to kill himself, uh, to assisted suicide? Um, and and that, that is what's so dangerous about this film. It pulls at your emotions, it can weaken convictions, and it, it changes your opinion about who has the right to a doctor-assisted death? After all, terminal Ill people have the right to end their lives. Why not anyone who finds their life circumstances unbearable, such as you pointed out earlier, as is the case in Belgium, and it's also the case in Switzerland, and it soon may well be the case in Canada. So we've got countries around the world where if you, you, you just find your medical condition difficult to bear, impossible to bear, you, you, you feel like giving up. You, you, you can check yourself into a suicide hotel, and there will be, quote, healthcare professionals who will help you end your life. That's not a good role for society to play. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's actually a terrifying prospect. And I think, you know, there was one particular story in Belgium. I think it was Belgium I was reading about, um, and I may have even covered it a year or two ago, but this this woman had mental illness, and she was able to get the paperwork, fill it all out, and check herself in and end her life, and her kids did not find out until after. She had sent them a letter after. They did not agree to it. They had tried to fight against it. And so that, to me, is a sign. There's some red, there's some bells going off saying, okay, well, we have an issue here where this it has progressed in other places. What is to say that it will not progress here? I think we have a really hard time, ironically, for some reason, as human beings, looking beyond. Even if you say you support just terminally ill, well, what happens next? Nothing ever ends where the law currently is on these things. It seems to always go further. And so um, I could see exactly why you're concerned about this and um, speaking out about it, and I appreciate you taking the time to do it. Do you have any uh, final words that you'd want to share with people that maybe on something maybe we haven't discussed on this issue? Well, um, no, except that, again, once that line is broached, uh, the line will continue to be pushed. Uh, once you uh, make a crack and, and uh, through court orders widen the door to assisted death, uh, there's no stopping it. Um, because if you extend a right to, to someone with a terminal illness, then uh, someone else is going to contend that, well, 
you know, I, I have, I have a mental illness. Why can't I end my life? So, um, now is the time for, for believers, for people who are of strong moral courage to, to take this movie, for instance, Me Before You, that's currently out right now, and, and use it as a narrative. Use it as a, an opportunity to talk to your friends or your neighbors, whether it's Starbucks or on the college campus or wherever. I mean, j- just talk about it. Share your convictions. Talk about the virtues that can be found in suffering. Uh, talk about how we're all not entitled to healthy lives of ease and comfort, and that affliction cannot be avoided. It is a part of life. And, and let's talk about what it means to face circumstances courageously, um, have real courage. Real, real quickly, in the last line of that movie, and I saw it last weekend, uh, the quadriplegic tells his girlfriend to live well, live boldly, and, uh, and then he says, I'll be with you in spirit wherever you go. Well, first, how can he tell his girlfriend to live well and live boldly? He has turned his back on life. And secondly, the grim reality, and this will be my final thought here, the grim reality is that he will not be with his girlfriend in spirit. Without knowing the God of the Bible, he's going to be separated for all of eternity from everything that's good and pure and lovely. And that's just another lie uh, that is um, being perpetrated on moviegoers. And we we just need to be wary of our culture right now, and that it is a culture of death. But, but let's, let's use this movie, let's use books, let's use film, let's use politics to create a fresh narrative about a culture of life. Well, listen, I really appreciate you taking the time, and I hope that we can catch up again sometime very soon, and I will make sure we link out to your website. And uh, really, again, thank you for the time, and thank you for your insight on this issue. Oh, Billy, you're the best. Thanks so much for really good questions and for bringing this topic to the front of people's thinking. Thank you very much. Back to the church boys. So, Billy, listen to that. Listening to that interview, I'm reminded of my childhood. My mom was one of the biggest Johnny. Eric's, well, it was Johnny Erickson before Johnny before Johnny got married to what's his name, Mr. Tata. Uh, she's Johnny Erickson, and mom had her like her Johnny's albums, and we would listen to those all the time. And my mom just loved Johnny Erickson, and I didn't know at the time, at first when I was little, that she was you know uh, paralyzed. And then mom explained it to me because my my grandparents had an above ground pool and I would want to dive in. And my mom, you know, was telling me, don't dive in. You could hit your head on the bottom. And I said, mom, I'm not going to hurt myself. She said, you could break your neck. That's what happened to Johnny. I said, what are you talking about? And she said, yeah, Johnny Erickson, the woman I listened, the music I listened to, you know, a lot. And I said, what? And she said, when she, she dove, when she dove off a dock or dove into the river or something and hit her head and broke her neck and was paralyzed from the neck down. Yeah. Or the shoulders down. And that, yeah. that put the fear of a whole bunch of things into me when she told me that. Anyway, Johnny's incredibly talented and has an amazing heart. And it's fun to get to hear her perspective on things that, you know. Now, she was nominated for an Oscar a couple of years back. Do you remember this? No. Yeah, she was nominated for an Oscar. Um, I got to look her up and on I, and then, and then Is she on but, IMDb? Yeah, no, I, she sang a song for a film. She was nominated for an Oscar for that song, and then it was and then it was rescinded 
The Oscar nomination was rescinded. It was a huge controversy. I'm trying to remember all the details of it, and I'm pulling it up. Um, yeah, she, Alone Yet Not Alone was the theme song for an independent Christian film. Um, and she was so excited about it, and then and then they disqualified it. And I'm trying to – it had something to do with – I can't remember why. It, but honestly, it was um, – it was a big deal. It was 2014. Let's see here. Academy disqualifies Johnny X. And, uh, they disqualified her song uh, because they rescinded the nomination of Alone, Yet Not Alone. The board concluded that the writer, Bruce Broughton, had emailed some of the other 239 members of the branch to make them aware of his submission during the nomination voting period. So basically... It wasn't on her he, then. Right, but he, it was like a well-intentioned communication, um, and and then they disqualified the song. A lot of people, though, felt that it was anti-Christian bias, and that because it was it was for, um, I think the film was called Alone Yet Not Alone, which was a Christian movie. Um, so, after, can you imagine giving somebody that nomination and then taking it away? Mm. She was super excited about it, and then it was taken away from her. But anyway, um, she was a good sport about it in the end, and she's a great lady. So. Mm. Speaking of great ladies, Mel Gibson. I can I tell you that I love Mel Gibson's beard. By the way, I oh, he, he's just dreamy. Even at this age, he's just <sighs> handsome. Well, you know, the, his teeth are what strike me because they're perfect. I feel like they have to be veneers. <laughs> he's had nice teeth for a long time, though. Back, back to I think he had good teeth when he was Mad Max. I don't know. I feel, I feel like they're capped. Did you They've watch Mad Max? Were you a Mad Max guy? No, you weren't. We've been through. We did a bunch this. of segments on this. I don't even you, know what you're yeah. talking about. Um, but I will say the fact that the Passion of the Christ Part Two, the Secret of the Ooze, is coming. <laughs> Secret of the Tomb. Um, <laughs> is, it called, is it called Secret of the Tomb? No, I think it, it should be though. Um, <laughs> It's. I'm actually really excited about it. I guess fans have. I didn't realize this. It was 20, 2004, I'm sorry, where the hit movie The Passion of the Christ came out. Right. And it made like over right. six hundred million dollars. Right. I know. It's still talked about every year. I know. I know. I have a lot of friends and family who who watch that movie every you know Passion Week. So the notion that there'll be a follow up, obviously, there's a lot of buzz around that. I mean, you, and what? It's, how do you follow that one? It's basically the resurrection and after. This is exactly what Mark and Roma did with Son of God and right. then AD, right? Oh, okay. The Bible series and then AD. So he's talking about his. I mean, I haven't read the story. I all I saw was that they were going to do a sequel and talking about the resurrection. I'm like, well, the the movie ended with the resurrection. So are they going to talk about what Jesus did from Easter till the ascension? Is that what they're thinking? Um, are you, you okay? Know, I don't. Are you okay? I just smacked my mic. Sorry, I don't. I don't think we. I don't think we know. There aren't a lot of details, and this leaked out because Randall Wallace, <laughs> who we've had on the show before, um, Randall he, Wallace, he wrote the book "Living the Braveheart Life." He actually wrote Braveheart, um, so he and Mel Gibson have a deep connection. He's right. writing this film. Oh, He's really? writing the follow-up. So, oh, that's cool. The, now, this could be a huge historic film. I, it, look, there's going to be huge expectations for this based on the first one, so they have to do it right. Um, and look, I don't know that you can recreate what happened with the passion, but they, they might be able to, are they going to do it? Like, are they thinking they're going to do it in Aramaic? I don't know. That's I would imagine. Mean. I mean, is it going to be like an actual sequel where it's like the passion Two only called something different, but I mean, are they, are they saying, you know what? We're making another movie that follows the passion or is this going to, are they calling it literally calling it a sequel to the passion? 
Um, well, Randall Wallace said, I always wanted to tell this story. The passion is the beginning, and there's a lot more story to tell. Uh, the evangelical community considers The Passion the biggest movie ever out of Hollywood, and they kept telling us that they think a sequel will be even bigger. Yeah. Um, it's too early to talk money. Da, 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 da. Uh, let's see. Well, I'll, and I should mention, Randall Wallace actually really has an amazing place in all of this. He was also the director for Heaven is for Real, which I had totally oh, forgotten really? about. Oh, I forgot so, about that, too. And now Heaven is for Real was one of the biggest faith movies ever. Right. Um, so when you start to look at the list of films, that's he's the, had a huge role. Now, Heaven is for Real, that's with Greg Kinnear, right? And it's that little, little, the burpos, the little yeah. brat who went to heaven. Every once in a while, the burpo mother will like retweet something that I tweet, and I'm like, oh, that's I'm great. Gonna, I like that. I really like I'm them. Sure, I'm sure that I just offended somebody calling him a brat. I know that he's not a brat. He seems like a genuinely nice kid. Yeah, he is but, a super nice kid. Um, we've and I think we had them on the show. I can't remember. I'm losing track now, which I is not too. a bad problem to have. Right. We've, we've um, talked to so many famous people. We actually have them. I know, I it's know. It's actually embarrassing I'm, for I'm, them. I'm, um, <laughs> wonderful for us. It's great for us. It's like it's great for us. Who are we talking to? I don't know. But I think Mo- Morgan Freeman, I'm not <laughs> but, sure. But and um, Munch. I'm but poor, Mor- I'm poor Morgan. <laughs> he drew the short straw that day. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Um I can, mm. Is it really bad? I've become upset. Well, I'm not even going to go there. Forget it. Um, anyway, so one of the things now, maybe you, maybe you don't know the answer to this. One of the things that got the passion a lot of attention wasn't just that it was in Aramaic, but also it was incredibly bloody and it was incredibly graphic. What is going to be the hook on this? I mean, but it also told the story that that people wanted to see and needed to see because it was important for people to understand the crucifixion, right? And the whole process of Jesus, uh, the leading up to his crucifixion, on those final hours. What's going to be the hook on this this one? Do we know yet? I mean, or we don't have enough information to know. We don't. I've been emailing poor Randall and harassing him, trying to get him to talk to me, but um, I have not heard back. I'm sure everyone and their mothers reaching out to him, so I'm going to give him a little space. But I, we'll get him on the show to talk about it. I'm what sure. If you, what if you reached out to Randall's mother? I reached out to Randall's son after I was like, "Hey," because we've interacted before oh, here okay. for things, and uh, I was like, "Hey, you know, I'd I'd love to talk to your dad about this." Um, I think look, chip chop chip, would you? <laughs> I'm I'm kind of like a stalker when it comes to interviews. I will track people down, whether they want to talk to us or not. I will track them down. <laughs> so you are you are to these people what Matt is to you. Oh boy, <laughs> or just a giant pain. You. <laughs> You're going to hell. Um, and if He's your name our, is, it, there are lots of Matts who listen to this. He is our um, friend. Yes. He is he our is. friend. He and that, is. And I say that with all the love I can muster because, and and, I'll, and there is a lot of it there. He is our friend. Oh, you're, <gasps> you're making me yawn. He is our friend and I love, I love him dearly. You do. But you, you, you've just you made got, this awkward. You've got to stop harassing these people. These poor <laughs> I people. I can't. I can't. I need to get an interview. And if I can't get an interview, let's just talk about how Tim Tebow. I had to like. I basically stalked his entire team for years, and then one day, <laughs> one day, a publicist is like, "Hey, do you want to have Tim Tebow on?" And we're like, "I guess. Yeah, that sounds and then, great." And then they go, "Why the? Why the hell is your co-host asking about that guy Kurt Schilling? What is yeah, wrong I mean, with him?" It, it is true. Publicists hate the best kind. Well, they're the Publicists worst people in the world. To present a, a shiny, they're awful. Like they did not, they do not like questions that challenge people at all, or, or that come out of nowhere, or come out like, 
well, that's not what he's here to talk about. It's like, he's here to talk to us about whatever the heck we want to talk okay, about. Okay, I'm sorry. Let's just get a little memo to publicists if you're listening. This is how it works. Right. Nobody cares about whatever ridiculous... I mean, no, I shouldn't say it. Sometimes there's great projects, and Tim has great uh, stuff Yeah, out. absolutely. But, but a lot of times they're plugging a product, they're plugging, and they're so in that that they don't understand that the thing that's going to sell the story the most to people is the most interesting element that might have nothing to do with that project. But the yeah. whole article will mention the project, but it might be an article about something else. Yeah. And I'm sorry, that's the way it works in the world. You, I'm not, sorry, I'm not a publicist. The, sorry, I I asked, sorry I asked the question that people, you know, that mattered. It's it's whatever. No, everything um, he said was was wonderful, and I loved it. No, I loved him, great. and I would great. love to have him on again. I know he's got a book coming out. I would love to have him on again. He is coming on again. And I've I do want to. I do want to. Um, well, I need to talk to you about a question I'd like to ask him. But Chris, might, you better might stop be, harassing. But it might be uncomfortable, so I might not ask it. Oh, but God, I told no. a friend. I Wait till the you. end of the interview, please. Which is what I did with the Kurt Schilling question. Because it'll be different publicists. Because these are this publicist for this TV show. It's gonna be somebody else, right, for the book. Yes. So. Yeah. I love that you're just trying to figure out how to make Tim Tebow hate us. I'm trying to make you uncomfortable because you're kind of, um, trying to burn bridges for you. <laughs> I don't mind tough questions. Yeah, you know, as, as long as they. Unless I don't want to catch somebody off guard, or some, I don't want to ask a gotcha question. You asked and, a fair question, and it was a fair question. It wasn't a gotcha question at all. I think it was. It wasn't a relevant. question he was going to answer. Uh, I'm sure he answered honestly, but it is a question that's harder to ask if you're being paid by a company when you're asked about what you think about right. that company. Um, right. If somebody came to me and asked me my critiques of anything, and you always have a critique about my current employer or any employer. You're you're right. kind of going to not offer those up right i think he was honest he just wasn't going to be horribly detailed in his answer and then when they accidentally didn't hang up and you could hear him cursing you out in the background that we recorded <laughs> that, that did part, not happen it did not happen i'm making that up <laughs> i don't believe that kid tim table has ever said a curse word um i don't think i don't think he knows any i don't think he does I don't, hang out with us for a little while he might learn some but um are we moving on to billy graham okay before i go to sleep because <laughs> i don't like know i just see because the last during the break <clears throat> we had talked about doing the Mel Gibson story and then possibly Billy Graham or maybe ending with, with Mel Gibson or, but there was another interview we were talking about having and then we decided, are we it's not? It's not happening. I just, so I we're just, just doing, we're just doing the one interview, which is that's fine. Right. That's right. So what was the other one? Billy Graham. Oh, what's this? Billy, old, Billy what Teddy Graham. What is um, this old fart doing now? Oh my god! You I'm do kidding. not speak about ninety-seven-year-olds that I'm way. I'm kidding. I love. Listen, I love. I say that only because of what happened with you know with lots. <laughs> remember, oh remember that discussion. Oh my god! I was accused of harassing her, mean being mean to her, I disliking know, her. I don't even. You're know. gonna find very few people who are a bigger fan of Billy Graham than I am. I just and said, I actually I find her simply, super impressive too. I do too. Not as impressive as her dad, you know. I just wasn't sure about she's, that quote. And she's pretty lackluster compared to her father, really. I don't. I don't know. I. I don't know. She's well. For one, a female pastor, really. Chris, Chris and for <laughs> those of you who, for those of you who want to send hate mail, the email address is. <laughs> oh man. Um. All right. So th this is interesting. This is an article. It's a Q and A posted to the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association website by Billy Graham, it's attributed right. to Billy Graham, saying that, quote, voting is a God-given responsibility. Right. Basically saying that if we didn't vote before long, we'd lose our freedoms and be ruled by power-hungry dictatorship. And That might happen anyway. That could happen anyway. Um, 
but he says it's a God-given responsibility when yeah. Jesus walked this earth, and he goes into this whole thing about the Romans and how you know, bad the Romans were, but but still, um, you know, we had to respect respect the Romans. We had to respect the government. Right. Now, I I find I find this really interesting in a year that a lot of Christians are going to say I'm not participating or I'm going to write in, you know, Billy, Muhammad Billy or whoever. I don't yeah. even know. It, it's it's strange to me. That you have this kind of thing out there, right? Because it, it does I do tend to think we probably should vote, but Well, I think I but not to a point that it violates your conscience. Right? Because what if what if now as someone who's a hardcore pro lifer, if both parties put up somebody who is pro choice, what then? Right? I mean there's gotta be yeah. there, certainly there has to be a point where you can draw that line. You know, like I don't said know a thousand times already. I think you I think it really is an issue of in our current system, the lesser of two evils. And it may be that the evils are very similar, but there is always one that's lesser in somebody's mind than the right. other. And I think a lot of people will see Hillary as that and a lot of people will see Trump as that. But that's that is sort of my take on it. You know, and I guess so many people died for this right to vote. So it's a it's a hard thing and have defended it to say I'm not going to do it. But I have in the past said I wasn't going to do it. I mean, yeah. you've heard me say that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and I don't have. I mean, you ought to vote whenever you can. How about that? Is that fair? You ought to vote whenever you can. And if you can't vote, then you 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 do whatever you can that comes close to, to doing that. And it, that, you know, for someone like me who right now is like, I'm not going to vote on for Hillary or Trump. I'm also not going to write in a third person. I'm just going to leave that section blank. I'm still going to vote on everything else, period. Writing in a candidate is the most pointless thing I've ever heard oh, in my life. So I'm not, I'm not wasting my Those effort. Those of you writing somebody in, get a clue. You've wasted more ink than it's worth. Yeah, I'm not contributing any more to my, you know, impending carpal tunnel by right. writing anything down right. on uh, writing right. another person's name down. Right. Will I vote for one of the two candidates? I don't know. Right. Um, I'll vote I, for I everybody really else. I don't. You know, I've, 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 there are state races and and other things and ballot initiatives and I'll, all those other things I will vote on. But that doesn't mean I have to vote on the presidential box. Period. That and that's it is, okay. It is interesting that Billy Graham thinks you should and you respect him so much. Well, you know. He is, he is, he is losing it. Oh boy. <laughs> oh All boy. right. The hate mail is going to flow in now. That would be Billy at the churchboys.com. <clears throat> uh, Billy at the churchboys.com for your, for your hate mail. So wait, can I, can I just tell you, I got the strangest, huh? um, follow today on Twitter. Was it Matt? An al- alien con is the world's first alien fan convention. Come join us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's a verified account, and they really? are following me. And it's Twitter. Yeah, I, I guess it's an alien thing. I don't know. Is it just is it at aliencon.com or just at aliencon? It's at, at the aliencon. The aliencon. Oh, it's a costume party. Oh of my gosh, I gotta is. get there. I've got to get there. Yeah, you're dressed as a Trekkie, aren't you? Speaking of Trekkies, I've seen Mira Servino or whatever the you know Counselor Troy. A lot it was not Miro Servino. You no, are that's, out of I don't control. Know, what, what's her name? I don't know. Tatiana Ali just came to my mind, but that's not at all that's, the person that we're thinking that's of. That's also not her name. <laughs> we need to have Marina Sartis. Yes. She, I've seen her on Twitter a lot lately. We need to have her on. Yeah, I reached out to her and she ignored me. She must well, have remembered me from the conventions. <laughs> <laughs> Stalker. 
That's weird. The most outwardly costume party you'll ever know. Friday, October 28th. Where is it? Is it, is oh, it wait a minute. place I, or a whole, a whole bunch of places? Yeah, I'm actually, I just found Mar- Marina Sartis looks totally different. Wow. wow. Yeah, Don't you think? She's aged a lot. But she looks great. I mean, but she just doesn't well, look for an the old same. Bro- for an old broad, she looks all right. What? She's like 10 years older than you, Chris. Calm down. Well, like I said, old broad. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you what. There was nobody hotter uh, to me in her prime when I was a kid. There was nobody hotter on television. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah. To- no, definitely. I mean. 110%, beautiful. as Lou Ferrigno would say. 110%. 100. That's not exactly how Lou Ferrigno would say it, though. <laughs> oh, my God. Chris. Oh, my God. And when did he say he that? Got, when did he say 110%? I mean, is that a famous line of his? All through The Apprentice. All through oh, Google see, The Apprentice. Okay, but I've never watched The Apprentice. I mean, other than a few clips here and there. You're, you're an idiot. You I'm, should study I up on I don't your watch precedent. reality television. It's amazing. The Apprentice was amazing. Whatever it's going to be now with Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'm not really interested in. Although I like Mark. And Can you imagine Mark Arnold Schwarzenegger talking to Lou Ferrigno? Now there's a show I would watch. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you really are out of control. Oh, man. Why won't Marina Sirtis respond to me? What? <laughs> She's seen your picture. She saw the She said the the pick the side by side I put up of you and Charles Nelson Riley. Um, I I hate you for that, but she's she, Marina's been tweeting yeah. all these things about Christian pastors calling gay people pedophiles. I don't even understand. I'm reading her tweet, tweets right now. I know she's so we, a, got, she's we a, gotta get her. She's a far left nut, but the fact that she was you know a great memory for me as a kid. I'll let I'll let her nuttiness slide because uh, best friends is my charity of choice, but PETA do make sense sometimes. Oh no, Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. which which I find hard to believe because I don't think Counselor Troy has missed very many meals. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Um, we need to wrap this up. Okay, well, we got it. We we have to. 110%. We have to do that. <laughs> 115%. Say it like Lou, would you? No, I'm not going to. You're awful. <laughs> it's time to go, Billy. I am 110% sure that if I, if I do my Lou Frigno impression, this podcast will be ended. <laughs> There's no chance... We don't both get fired before your last day. The Church Boys.